How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing so well. We're not living yeah. in a hellscape or anything. <laughs> no, we're totally not living in dystopia. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Everything is fine and normal. Speaking of dystopia and hellscapes, we're like in a perfect movie for it. Uh, yeah, this is pretty dystopian and not just because of the like fantasy elements, but but just because of like the actual premise of this movie totally grossed me out, which we'll get into. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so like, it's so fucked up like Americana about like this idealistic version of a family, even though obviously these people are toxic, but we'll get into it. Um, who are and when we? you have when you have toxic family members, it's harder to watch stuff like this. Right. Who doesn't? Everyone has. We're all toxic. We're all bad. I know. Sometimes I'm like, I could be the toxic friend, honestly. If you're my I, friend and you're listening to this, don't tell me if I'm the toxic friend. Which I'm is another toxic to this, trait. <laughs> and you are not the toxic friend at all. I think uh, I I'd, probably am, but that's fine. No, I have more toxic people in my life than you. Although I do kind of like stop talking to people when they have when they flash toxicity at me, I'm like bye, <laughs> goes yeah. forever. I really I'm bad at like keeping in touch and like I don't know I'm one of those out of sight out of mind people, which is terrible. And That's I love not all good. My, I love my friends still, but I like I just like if I don't see you and talk to you all the time, I just like I, you're in my brain, but I just like don't I can't like pick up the phone and be like hello, you know. Uh, I don't know. I will just randomly text anyone anytime. Be like, hey, I saw this, like, athlete's foot commercial. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. No, that's, I mean. None of my friends have fungus, but random things do remind me of people. Right. So So this is the Spooky Succubus cast. We are a podcast about horror movies. Last time I said we were about museums. Don't at me. I know I did it wrong. And I didn't realize it till I listened back. But it's we're about fine. horror movies. We're an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, feminist podcast. And we're talking about our problematic faves and how they, in this case, uphold toxic ideals, which are gross. Is gross. And yeah, we try to give a seat at the table to people and uh, marginalized groups that are being excluded from the canon, which this movie definitely doesn't do. So, shit. Whoops. Krampus. We're talking uh, but about we're going to talk about yeah, we're talking about Krampus. We've had some um, ups and downs. Everyone has COVID. It's weird. Life is weird. So we did. Krampus. Tomorrow I'm getting my tits chopped off too. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. I'm, I'm getting that. breast reduction surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so we are recording this in the last day that my back is gonna be holding up like literally 12 pounds of boob, and I'm really happy. That's so exciting. It's a lot of poundage. So I have if to tell I had you, a I breast to, reduction. What? I was going to say, I have, I'd, to admit I'd have something. nothing. What? I wish I had your boobies. I want little, like the swoop. I want the swoop. We talk about it. I mean, they're small. They're not swoopy, but they are small. And I, when I was younger, I really, really wished, like, I come from a family of large breasted women. And I was like, wait, I used to like put socks in my shirt and like cross my fingers and like, Hail Satan that I'd get some and then it just I literally never, never happened. had to. That's when what was... my sister developed so early and look I, at this. I... <laughs> is, is this how a bra works, Rebecca? 
I just revealed that does my not happen to me. She, yeah, I don't have any of that. And uh, but now that I'm older, I'm like, thank God, I would hate it. I am in pain all the time. Yeah, inconvenience. Inconvenient. But so my the thing I have to admit is that I was like, oopsie, internalized misogyny right when we started watching this movie because I was like, Tony Cola is totally too old to play Adam Scott's wife. And then I was like, wait, they're completely age appropriate for each other. Like, why did that cross my mind? Right. And then I was like, I, internalized misogyny. I shit. thought the same thing, but I was like, I love it when an older woman is paired with a younger man. But then I was like, I don't know how old they are. And then I, I never... think they're both in their 40s in this movie. Like, they look completely age appropriate for each other. Right. Also, they do it look age appropriate. Better what they look like. Yeah. Right. But I think it's also, I think Tony Collette is older because she's been around for longer. Because and I've, she's, like, more serious in her roles, maybe? She is serious. Yeah. Sometimes. I don't know. But I also love, I am a Tony Collette stan. She's I love so her. awesome. She's so fucking good. And in this movie, too, she just, like, brings such gravitas to, like, whatever she does. She just, like, it takes it so seriously and is, like, so good at her job. I'm, I love her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she was really good at Knives Out, and she's... Yeah. Who was I talking to? Huh. Thinking, thinking. I was talking to my friend Alex, and we were complaining. Oh, we were complaining about Sarah Paulson. Because Sarah Paulson is, like, you know, from American Horror Story and everything. Yeah. She's an actress that has, like... She applies the same character to every character. So she's always playing everything the same way. Like, breathy, you know, really stressed out, experiencing anxiety and frustration. Uh, and then, like... But I feel like Tony Collette is the inverse of that because she's just always a different person. She's she a chameleon, yeah. She can do anything. Uh, and she's so good. She was so funny in United States of Terra, but it was a I, little... It was hard for me to watch because of Mentally Ill Mom. I uh, I did, like, United States of Terra a lot. And I thought, like, everyone... Young Brie Larson, everyone in that show was just a great performer. Yeah, so. I remember. That was the first time I ever saw Brie Larson. She yeah. was so good. And yeah, I have, like, so. a total boner for John Corbett ever since my big oh my God. wedding. <laughs> of course. Yeah, without... He was in um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And I was like... Oh, he was like the Still, hot dad. He was the hot dad. He was hot. That movie then, really he's hot now. Really did it for me. I loved yeah. that movie. I, I watched the second one. <laughs> we were talking about that when we did Black or nope, Black Christmas. We'll mention because what's her face? The one of the ants, one of the crazy ants, is in one of the aunties. Yeah, yeah. Time is a flat circle, and no one knows what's happening. We're recording, we're recording any, everywhere, <laughs> anywhere. Everything's happened before. We literally we, squeeze an hour and a half in, like when we both have a free minute. I'm yeah. technically in my nine to five right now. Don't tell. Uh, yeah. It's fine. We're fine. Anyway. No one cares. Whatever. So let's get cracking. It's my turn to do the plot summary. And mm. I knew that when I was taking my notes, I was like, mm, I'm just going to slide my jokes in here and there. So, <laughs> But I can't remember what any of them are. So we're going to find out if I made any good jokes now. I'm sure you did. So we open on a horde of people rushing a store called Mucho Mart while it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas plays. It's the normal, like, characterization of pre-Christmas shopping. Folks are fighting, pushing each other down, and there's general chaos. Uh, and then we finally pan up to Santa's village where a wise man 
<laughs> a child dressed as a wise man is fighting with a child dressed as a reindeer. Mm-hmm. And we can assume this is one of our main characters because the aforementioned Tony Collette and Adam Scott run up to break up the fight. So we're back at the a house, an abode, uh, and we see a messy... <laughs> Messy. Do you see what I'm doing with my hair? I do. You it's do. a nervous habit. <laughs> a messy kitchen with Christmas goodies and a grandmotherly-looking woman hears a kerfuffle as Max, our reindeer, uh, is getting chewed out by his parents for starting a fight. Uh, and the fight was because Max didn't want the Santa myth ruins for some little kids, and the wise man was being a dick. So uh, it is indeed a grandma, and it is a German grandma, which is cute. And uh, so the dad, <laughs> dad, a.k.a. Adam Scott, a.k.a. Tom, says, this looks great, Mom. Thank you. But Sarah, his wife, Tony Collette, bought a bunch of cookies at the store, so she shouldn't work too hard, which is like, I, I roll. She's making you, like, delicious German sweets. Jeez. I, like, get what they're doing is that, like, this family is obsessed with materialism and capitalism yes, and consumerism, capitalism and that's bad. we understand. But, like, no one would do that. No one would be like, I don't want your homemade shit. I'm going to buy Because my wife mm, bought no. shit at Mucho Mart. No. Yeah, and then uh, to top it all off, this, like, work-obsessed, capitalism-obsessed, American dream-obsessed family dynamic, Adam Scott, a.k.a. dad, takes a work call. I called it a white man work call. Just like, White man work call. How are the numbers this quarter? Yeah. <laughs> Did that convince you? Uh, my, so my brother-in-law, except for the height thing, because he's a lot taller, looks very, and sounds like the vo- his voice sounds a lot like Adam Scott, and it's always a little, like, jarring. Um, so I'm like, You're what? like Adam? David, Scott? is that you? Um, David. And um, that's, yeah, that's what Caesar calls Adam Scott is by my brother-in-law's name. That's funny. Because he was in Parks and Recreation, and I love that show. So, Farts and Procreation, yeah. as it's called on Comedy Bang Bang, Comedy Bing Bong, <laughs> which Adam Scott sometimes guests on. Here we go. So <laughs> Ma- Max wants to watch Charlie Brown, but the grown-ups are like, fuck you. Uh, so gr- German Grandma Omi and Max are like hanging out together because the other grown-ups have ditched. They talk about his Santa letter. And she says, you know, you can still send it. And they have a tender moment. Mm-hmm. We find out that some weird inbred cousins are coming. Uh, and Beth, the older daughter, is complaining about it. And then she and her mom hang this, like, weird Santa picture. Which, like, no. Don't get a yeah. photo of your whole family with a mall Santa. And there's, like, a succession I of them. I don't no. understand. Have you ever done a mall Santa photo? Yeah, my mom wanted me and my sister to do one for her when I was maybe 15 and my sister was 12. And um, so my cousin Susie, hey, Sus, uh, just kidding, she'll never hear this, took us <laughs> to the mall to like in Ohio or something to do it for my mom. But, you know, once you're like uh, an overdeveloped 15-year-old with like boobs who already has your period and you're sitting on Santa's lap, like it's just not right. It didn't feel right. The photo doesn't look right. It's a bad memory. So, yeah, I have. Oh, man. That is rough. I've never done it, so I don't know. I mean, don't start now. Yeah, no, hell no. I just never understood putting your child on a stranger's lap. Yeah. For what reason? For a photo? Are we all pretending Santa is real or are we not? I'm confused. Yeah, what's the value of a fake Santa photo? Yeah. Later when no one even believes in Santa anymore. Mm-hmm. Except for like the Someone... weird childhood memory. Yeah. It's I don't strange. want it. 
It's just a random man. Anywho. So, in accordance with what happened to me, the Santa in the photo is ogling Beth, the older daughter, and Tony Collette is like Jesus and rolls her eyes. So, Omi and Max are back wrapping presents. Uh, and Max says, you know, do you believe Santa exists? And Omi says that believing in Santa is believing in the true nature of the holiday. Do you think it could be foreshadowing? <gasps> oh, my God. Perhaps. Also, outside, gingerbread cookie foreshadowing as well. Indeed, indeed. Outside, the wind is whistling, which I wrote in all caps for some reason. <sighs> I literally put caps lock on to write, wind whistling. Beth is video chatting with her boyfriend, Derek. PSA, don't name your kid Derek. Derek. Do we think it's an attractive name? I mean, there's a lot of names that I'm like, this sounds ugly. It's like just clunky. Derek. But to all the Dereks out there, it's okay. Better than Kyle. At least you're not a Kyle. Kyle. He has a snowman or like Christmas themed bong. As the wife of a stoner, no one does that. It's not a thing. Adam doesn't even have a bong. He's just never really gotten into... Like, not everyone does bong hits. It's just not everybody's thing to do casually, you know? But it's, it's such a movie, like, this is what stoner kids do. They yeah, like, they have themed bongs, bongs for holidays. Yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? No. I was just roll. I roll. There's a lot of things that the movie industry doesn't understand, and it's clear in this movie. Uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like stoners, like, in the 90s, the 80s and 90s especially, were othered to be, like, not functional members of society. And I'm like, everyone's a stoner. Like, everyone you work with is either drunk or high all the time. That's just right. how life works, you know? Or on pills. <laughs> you know, that's how everybody yeah, has exactly. to, like, get through this shit. But until, you know, Seth Rogen came along, it's like, I can write and make movies and be high as fuck all the time. No one was like... But then it's "Hmm." still, like, gendered as fuck, and it's like... Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, just shitty white men getting away with whatever because they're shitty white men. And it's like, hey, stoners take all shapes and sizes. Right. I do like Seth Rogen. He says Uh, some... He said yeah. he has done some problematic things. He's done. I, I think he's pretty funny. I I can accept that maybe he has grown as an entertainer, but right. yeah, there are some pretty like horrifying rape jokes and just like things that just don't contribute to. Is that progressive Judd intersectional or right. <laughs> that's Judd, a- Judd Apatow? Yeah, right. Sorry. Exactly. He, I mean, he said them, but yeah. So yeah, may- maybe that wasn't fair to just conflate. My favorite word, uh, Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow. But there was just a gaggle of Canadians that were doing things I like, didn't like things, in the early yeah. 2000s. Yeah. I was on board. And then I was like, wait, maybe not. And then, you know, we're all learning. I love Martin Starr forever. Martin Starr, if you're listening, call me. I'll dump out I could absolutely see that. You are, yeah. I feel like Jason Siegel, you know, he's very tall. He has a nice I don't dick. always love a tall. We saw he loves to. It's like a, three he movies he's naked, put his yeah. dick out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what are we talking about? I wonder if which one of them has the ugliest dick of that Canadian gaggle. What's the skinny one? Oh, who is accepted? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. I can just, I, I guess when I see people, I imagine their dick is kind of mirroring their physique when they're standing up straight, you know? Which is usually the way it goes. So I just imagine him having a really skinny dick. But people surprise you all the time. <laughs> I mean, all dicks are... All dicks are different, and they all right. have value. value. Sometimes. 
Depends on the person attached to it, I guess. Yeah, right, right. No dick shaming here. <laughs> yes. So Beth, of course, video chatting with her boyfriend, um, dad, a.k.a. Tom. I'm not going to establish a consensus or naming convention here. So sorry. Uh, he's slipping some scotch into his coffee and we hear a rumbling of a big truck because the cousins have arrived. Bum, bum, so bum. you guys already know, if you know me, if you know us, that I have a problem with the coding of this family. Okay. Oh, what yeah. the fuck? I'm sure we'll get into it in a lot of detail, but um, fat Sarah, is bad. Poor fat is, is bad. bad. Poor is bad. Yeah. So Sarah, played by Tony Collette, says at one point that they should have to take a test to breed. Um, they're uh, accused of the girls in the family. The two daughters are accused of standing up to pee and other slights against their androgyny. It's bad. So we see the family come in. Um, they're referred to being from like are referred to as being from the shallow end of the gene pool. Uh, the first child we see is chubby and kind of has a vacant look in his eyes, like the fat kid from Willy Wonka, you know? Yeah. Augustus. Who is also German. <gasps> Just kidding. I think that's nothing. <laughs> um, so the girls are, there's um, Jordan and Stevie that look to be like 10, 11. They are gender nonconforming as far as I can tell. They wear um, boys, coded as boys, slash just like androgynous clothing. Uh, and Beth hates them because of this. Mm-hmm. And then the, there's a baby. There's like a backwoods kind of like, I love guns and my Hummer, dad. Uh, and then there's a horrible aunt. Who doesn't have a horrible auntie? I mean, But guess I... what? The horrible auntie is also fat. So she's actually <gasps> horrible. She's fat and she's crass. I would like to say, of all the people in this movie... I would be fine being Aunt Dorothy. As a couple of future old crones, you know, I really saw myself. I relate. Dorothy, yeah. yeah. It's she sort of has the same thing as Mrs. Mack, who we'll talk about next yes. week in Black Christmas. But it's like, what is wrong with being a crass, fat, drunk old lady? It seems with great. no children. That's fine. Yeah. You love schnapps are your children, and that's okay. <laughs> that's you're doing great. She has some good lines too, so so Sarah is pissed that um, her sister, Linda, who is from the shallow end of the gene pool, brought Aunt Dorothy because she's just a pain in the ass, I guess. But she seems fine to me. So we cut to dinner. Howard, who is played by bald guy from The Office that plays Packer. Sorry, I don't know his name. Ron. I saw it at the end of the movie and I was like, and I was like, that guy. I feel bad. He always kind of gets... I'm sure he's into this. Yeah, I guess I don't feel bad. He's a white guy. He's a white guy, but it's just because he's bald and he has that voice and he's like, and his mouth is kind of sideways. Right, and so I'm sure he's a lovely person in real life. Maybe I don't know. Let's just hope he is unproblematic and quiet. I think that's what we can hope for. (laughs) So Howard's talking about his guns. Uh, Stevie and Jordan, the androgynous. Girls are making fun of Max for believing in Santa because they found his Santa letter earlier in the evening. Uh, and then the poors hate the fancy food. So uh, Aunt Dorothy is being mean. She's saying, like, this isn't real food. I don't like this fancy shit. It clogs up my drainage or something. <laughs> Which I think is the opposite of what it would do. But Yeah, it would just go right through you. <laughs> if you're used yeah. to eating macaroni and cheese and then you have, like, foie gras, you're going to shit. Just yeah. shit. <laughs> So then uh, as a counter to Aunt Dorothy's attitude, Sarah calls her trailer trash. I was like, well, I was just looking at my watch, waiting 
clicking the seconds down until she called her that. Here we yep. are. So back at the table, uh, Stevie and Jordan read Max's letter to Santa to humiliate him. But it actually turns out to be like touching because he's like, I want to be with my sister more and I want my parents to be in love again. And I hope that my cousins that are inbred and trashy are okay because I'm a white male savior that wants to help poor people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a fight starts between Stevie, Jordan, and Max because they he's been humiliated by his cousins. And then Max says, I hate Christmas and I hate all you. I was like, mm, same. No, I love Christmas. He storms up stairs like a boys so having feelings is is bad. Is so. bad. Don't do it, boys. Don't don't have feelings. Max uh, is upstairs in his room, and his dad comes in to talk about how family is just like people you're trapped with, and then you try to like make it work, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And I was like, it's kind of like a true assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, then Max is. He's feeling like maybe I'm feeling better about Christmas. So he waffles between deciding to mail his letter to Santa, but eventually chooses to dramatically rip it up and throw it out the window, which is not he's productive. Littering. He's littering. Quit he's it. littering. And like someone in your family or someone your family probably pays. We'll have to clean that up. So have some compassion for the working class, Max. Uh, there is none. But that's also foreshadowing because nobody there cares no about service There is no compassion for the working class in this movie. No. So Max waffles between deciding to mail his letter or throw it out. He oh we told we already said this that he dramatically litters. So yeah. then we hear the wind howl. The lights go out in the entire neighborhood, and there's a thunderclap, which I also put into caps lock for emphasis. Cut to the next day. There's no power, um, and Max is looking out the window and sees this suspicious snowman that he didn't make i was like jack frost no <laughs> which is our bonus episode <laughs> i'm re-traumatized yeah right. our bonus episode is on jack frost uh so then there's a knock at the door and the dhl guy is there uh ups fedex dhl and usps are working really hard in a pandemic right now to get mm-hmm. people their stupid shit off of etsy just kidding <laughs> i sell on etsy off right. of Amazon, Amazon, whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever. So fine. tip your delivery drivers, offer them water, be uh, compassionate to the working class because without them, you don't fucking function, mm-hmm. which this movie doesn't understand. At all. So uh, Linda and Howie, um, they go to answer the door and they spot a weird sack outside, uh, which they take inside. It's a sack of weird presents, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth wants to go see Derek. A couple of houses down, uh, and she's allowed to go out and walk into the blizzard to find him and see if power's on anywhere. That is not safe. What? Just no. It's bad out there. Oh, it's and the then Omi. Bad. Omi already knows she's making hot cocoa on the fire. Like we're in for it. Like everyone, settle the fuck in. Mm-hmm. So the blizzard is crazy outside. Beth is walking and hears some creepy laughter. And voices and the lights go down or the sun gets dark. Whatever. It's dark. So most of the houses are frozen over. And then she hears a noise on a nearby roof and sees a huge, scary, hooved figure jumping from roof to roof, roof to roof, with horns. And he's, 
Okay, sorry. I, this is why. <laughs> this is why I can't read. Noise on a roof. Big scary figure with horns and bells howling. Like what? Yeah, that's that's accurate <laughs> that's description. The gist, but it's just not very well said. So she's running home as the figure is chasing her, jumping from roof to roof. Yes, it's shrouded, as Rebecca said. She gets <laughs> to the DHL truck, and guess who was the first casualty in this movie? The poor DHL driver worker who's delivering shit on christmas eve or whatever and he was so jovial and nice he was super generous with his time it's the middle of the winter it's a fucking blizzard and he probably wants to be with his family but no he is frozen in ice and also fear and he is the first person to die because uh the movie industry aka america at large hates the working class and reveres the ruling class we i mean this is like the first scene that we get is service workers being trampled by people coming into shop like this it's yeah. like they are dispensable and are not people so exactly so uh she hides under the dhl truck and sees some big crazy also i wonder if dhl got paid for this i was gonna <laughs> I was say like, so specific you know? they also <laughs> mention boys in brown but they don't ever explicitly say any other delivery but if i could go DHL. back in time i would love to be a ups driver you get to just be alone all day. Yeah. Are we at the gallery, you know, Quentin. Was he your UPS driver, too? Yeah, I love Quentin. He's and so then back sweet. on Newberry Street, we had Chris, who was just, like, a really horny, like, middle-aged dude that would tell us about his divorce and how his wife wasn't sexually satisfying him. And we were like, oh, God. cool. <laughs> Quentin Audrey was knows. Best. Audrey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Quentin was sweet. Um, he would, yeah, talk about his kids and show us pictures. But like, yeah, the reason I know how much UPS drivers make is because Chris, back on Newberry Street, had been working for UPS for like 15 years. He had a very sizable pension. He had a second home in Lake George. He had like a huge house in uh, the South Shore. It was like he made a lot of money, and I was like, man, I did everything wrong in my life. Yeah. I just if hate driving. That's the only reason I couldn't be a delivery driver. Yeah, I think you just get used to it. Yeah, I guess. But we should all be UPS. Be Go so to trade lucky school. To be, right, yeah, yeah, to be UPS drivers. Okay. If you're thinking of going to art school, maybe don't. Don't. From two people who did it. <laughs> I mean, I liked going no, to art school. No, I loved school. it. I had a ball. I really did. Yeah. But, uh, it was just expensive. I'm paying for it now, so. Still, yeah, I'm 31, cool. and I have a lot of debt still, so Good think times. about that. <laughs> so uh, Beth is still hiding under the DHL truck. We see those big, crazy hooves, and we hear some growling and bells jingling. Uh, Krampus then disappears, uh, but a weird music box appears playing Silent Night. It's like a jack-in-the-box thingy, and the top pops open, and a scary doll comes out of the truck, and... Um, Oh, sorry. A scary doll pops out and the truck rattles from overhead while we hear Beth screaming. Mm -hmm. So first we've killed off the service worker and the woman who has, I assume, some sexual agency. She was going to see her boyfriend who Mm -hmm. has a bong. So she's bad. Drugs are bad. She's bad. Yeah. And they mention like shotgun wedding before she leaves and like she's she's coded as a slut. Yeah, we get it. She's a slut. She's mm-hmm. young and she has boobs, so yeah. slut. slut and she's alert. feminine, unlike her cousins. Exactly. 
So Sarah and Tom are in the house chatting. No one is around and they think it's weird. They have an I miss us moment, which I didn't need. Uh, And then they hear some sirens and Max comes in and he says he's worried about Beth. So Tom decides they can take Howard's Hummer and go check things out. But Omi protests and she like obviously knows something that everyone else doesn't. But why would you listen to a doddering old woman? Ageist. This movie has every ist. It's true. They don't. It's xenophobic because they don't trust her because she doesn't speak English and she's like, an she's, immigrant. Yeah, uh, it's racist because there's no people of color. Literally it's no one. Ageist. It's sexist. Xenophobic. Capitalist. Fatphobic. Mm-hmm. But I still liked it. Is that bad? It was fun. Yeah. Problematic faves. <laughs> so they, uh, Tom and Howard, head out to go. Uh, sorry, we got I got a text. I have friends. Um, to go find <laughs> Beth. It's Adam's brother. I don't really have friends. Aww. Womp, what about me? Womp. Yeah, but you're already here. That's true. Should we'll we text each other you. while yeah. we record just to like psych each other up? You're doing so well. So in the Hummer, none of the radio stations are working and it's weird. And then they see an abandoned looking snowplow with the keys in it and presents on the seat. And um, the windshield is punched in, so something got in to get the driver. And then Tom is like, also a service worker. Tom says we have to find Beth, and then Howard conveniently has some guns in the back of his Hummer, which is gendered female and named Lucinda. Mm. I don't get it. Why do people do that? I don't get it either. Back at the house, the sisters, um, Linda and Sarah, are having a tender talk about their mom, whom I'm assuming is deceased. There's always a dead mom. They hear footsteps on the roof and a loud bang, and Sarah says it's squirrels, but Omi (sighs) peeks up the chimney suspiciously. I have squirrels in my walls, and they don't sound like that. It's more like a skittering noise. It's like, yeah. Howard and Tom go to Derek's house, which is frozen over and pretty creepy. The mantelpiece is all fucked up, and then there's a crazy hoof print in the snow by the mantel. They hear screaming in the distance and run outside to find Beth, but something pulls Howard down from under the snow. Tom pulls him up, and then Howard says something is biting him, so Tom shoots at the creature, and it recoils. I love this, too. Like, suddenly this, like suburban dad is super proficient with firearms like right you he'd be shooting into the sky like there's no way he knows how to shoot he doesn't know i don't know me neither i don't so men have guns and there's jokes about dick sizes guns or dicks yeah it's uh, the whole thing right yeah Mm -hmm. so they get back to the car uh and tragically lucinda the hummer is destroyed It's very dramatic for Howard, but, you know, we all persevere nonetheless. Sarah is about to go find them, but then the boys bust back in. Sarah sends the kids to the kitchen to see what's going on with Howard's bite. Omi goes, too, and she's sharpening, like, a pretty dramatic cleaver. Um, And then we go back to the grown-ups who are trying to sort out their plan of action, and they decide to board up the house to go find Beth when the weather breaks. Uh, And then the sisters... Linda and Sarah and the boys, Tom, it's like sisters and boys, B-O-Y-Z. And there's just so many people that I never know who I'm talking about. There's so many people. Have special moments. They're like, oh, my God, this trauma is bringing us closer and we're starting to understand each other. Mm -hmm. Wow. Trauma is actually a good thing. They're also like 
not that concerned about Beth. Like, she's out there. They no. clearly know there's, like, a eating a man-eating worm out there. Person like, she's worm. probably dead, right? Yeah, and, and they're, they're like, well, oh, we can't we do anything about it. The house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, too bad. Pop in my cold Listen one. to that. Hey, So refreshing. Okay. Sponsored by Polar. Just kidding. But Polar, if you want to sponsor us, let us Shout know. Shout out. Let us know. And then Max is saying to his dad, like, we're going to die and Omi's acting weird. And Tom says Omi always gets a little weird around Christmas and she never wants to talk about it. So any astute viewer knows at this point that Omi has seen Krampus before. Bum, bum, bum. It's only the title of the movie, but, you know. Max, um, sorry, Howard offers to keep watch and then everyone's sleeping in the living room while Silent Night plays on an iPad. Uh, the iPad finally dies and we hear some chittering from above. Howard has fallen asleep on at watch, on, on watch, on the night watch. Uh, and we pan over to the fire where the embers are just about dying. A chain rattles, a hook appears in the hearth, and the hook has a little gingerbread man on the chain. That does look pretty tasty. But we have a fat phobia alert, everyone. Chunky boy. Chunky boy. That Howie Jr. has to go snag that cookie because he's a fat, greedy little boy mm-hmm. with not much going on upstairs. So he takes a bite. The cookie starts laughing at him and zipping around. It wraps him up in chains and pulls him up the chimney. The grown-ups try to pull him back down but are unsuccessful. And then a log rolls out of the fire and lights up the Christmas tree. Uh, the cookie then, the grown-ups are still working on this situation over at the chimney mm-hmm. and the anthropomorphic cookie screams at sarah and startles her she lets go of howie and then howard says this is all my fault for falling asleep during my night watch night i'm watch. trying to think of like the game of thrones the night's watch That's what, what do, don't they have like a logo or a saying though oh when oh, it's I like an, know, I was going to start saying that now your watch is now Howard's okay. watch has ended. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so Omi says it's all our fault. He's come for us all. And we switch to Omi speaking in English for the convenience of the American viewer because we're lazy pieces of shit. It could have totally sure. been in German. Can't read. That would have been more normal. But at least we get some cute animation. I really liked the it animation. Was cute. Yeah. So I'm. Assuming that we're in post-World War II Germany during the U.S. occupation where there were huge food shortages and bread lines. Did you have a different take? No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what you're thinking? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting that they just, I mean, we only can discern that from context clues. Yeah, Yeah. they completely, like, gloss over why there were food shortages and bread lines. Um, So you may not know if you don't know. But I took AP history in college, so, or sorry, in high school. I got a four brag. on my AP test. Brag. Humble brag. <laughs> uh, it started with a wind, with the wind on a cold. I'm like. <laughs> it's okay. Take a breath. So Take excited breath. about Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> it started with the wind on a cold winter night, much like this. It was almost Christmas, but it was a darker and less cheerful Christmas than Omi had usually experienced as a child. She still believed, but the village had given up on miracles and each other. They had forgotten the sacrifice of giving, a.k.a. the meaning of Christmas. There was tension in her home as well. Her parents were fighting. They gave up, and so she did too. She wished for miracles to go away, but she would come to regret it. 
St. Nicholas didn't come. It was a darker, more ancient spirit called Krampus. Her family was dragged into the underworld, but Krampus left her as a reminder uh, of what he had done and what happens if you lose the spirit of Christmas. And he gave her a little iron bell, which she still has. Howard is like, my xenophobia is coming out to play. And he immediately doesn't believe her and mm-hmm. dismisses her as senile and foolish because she is old, female, and not from America. Mm-hmm. He freaks out and says he's going to go find Howie. And then he pulls a gun on Tom in an effort to get out into the blizzard to find his boy. Uh, outside, lots of wacky critters are surrounding the door and cackling. So Sarah finally shuts the door. And scary snowmen. One of them that looks like Howie Jr. There is a lot happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need to keep the fire hot and that's how they'll survive. Uh, And then there's some, you know, like community happening. They're starting to understand each other. Omi's talking to Stevie and Jordan. um, And then Sarah decides, I need to go find Beth. And she tells Linda she wants to talk to her and the other grownups to figure out a plan um, and we see that Linda is poking around in the presence when Sarah approaches her and she's found some fishy boxes with uh, interesting toys in them and interesting mm-hmm. noises coming out. <laughs> so they need to go for the plow is what the grownups decide. Um, Which is and then also the, like, you know what's dumb. out there. It's yeah. dumb. Don't do that. Like, I wish there was a more clear timeline for them. Just stay inside. <laughs> But as you know, I'm lazy and I'm willing to accept death. So I will always say stay inside. Don't fight. <laughs> I mean, it's it's more dangerous. I don't know. It's dangerous both ways, I guess. But I would love to see how we would really both react in a horror movie because maybe I'd surprise myself and I go think into you like would. maybe I'd go into like X Games mode and like really be like, fuck you, demonic presence. Like I'm I'm handling it, but I don't see that for me. I feel like I would definitely start crying at some point. No one is crying in this movie. At all these points, I'm like, your children are your dead children or are missing. Dead. You're not crying. by all. maniacal dolls. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I guess it's shock, but everyone does seem mostly fine for most of the movie. Yeah. They're like, let's move on. We still have one left. Oops. We have none left. So. Shit. Now we got to yeah. worry. Whoops. All of our yeah. kids are gone. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's some jiggling presence by a lantern in... A room that we find out later is the attic, which we know because it has like clapboard. Cobwebs. Cobwebs. Like, I'm like, where? Old shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then Max is uh, downstairs with his binoculars and he spots Krampus. Stevie and Jordan are trying to use the bathroom because fat piece of shit, classist, or sorry, Low-class garbage Auntie Dorothy clogged the crapper. Of course. Um, Which, like, when you she gotta go, the, you gotta go. Right. She ate the foie gras, and she had to shit. So and her butt exploded. Yeah, yeah. Been there. <laughs> they hear a voice from the attic, which they mistake for Beth, um, but it turns out to be demonic toys that lure them up the stairs and try to eat them. The grown-ups hear a scream down scared. I feel like this is just going to be pure chaos because so much insanity ensues from There's here There's so much. Out. It's me. I'm just like, the little gingerbread people are cute. The angel is scary. What the, like, what's that tongue doing? Gingerbread yeah. people on fire. Like, <laughs> a lot of tongues. Yeah, more tongues than I would thought. So many tongues. I would think there would be. This movie's also funny because, like, who is the demographic, you know? Right. I <laughs> think so it did pretty weird. well, though. But, yeah, it's I liked weird. it, but, yeah. 
So the grown-ups hear a scream downstairs. There's cackling in the attic. They head up and there's um, the presence that the critters have clawed their way out of and they hear a crash. Back downstairs, Howard is in the kitchen battling some gingerbread cookies. Uh, and then in the attic, there's a big jack-in-the-box monster, monster with a visceral mouth. There's a creepy doll with feathers that attacks Sarah while a deranged teddy bear with like really pronounced sharp teeth charges them back in the kitchen the cookies are on fire because howard is shooting at them with like a bazooka (laughs) yeah i don't know how they lit on fire (laughs) one comes at him with a sharpened candy cane but the hero of this movie rosie the bulldog eats the cookie before it can stab howard to death with a sharpened candy cane justice for rosie justice for rosie Upstairs in the attic, there's still chaos. A doll is choking out Sarah with some Christmas lights while Linda's punching the teddy bear. Uh, Eventually, Linda's like, my daughter. She gets mom strength and grabs Mm. a hatchet and starts going ham on the toys. Uh, She stabs the teddy bear in in the eye with an icicle. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. And it oozed like green. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jordan, one of the daughters, is has been eaten by the giant worm Jack in the Box. But Stevie's okay. Um, they get downstairs and they hear the wacky jack-in-the-box trying to get out, but everything is boarded up in the house. Uh, there's some rumbling in the vent, so Rosie is just like, go in, Rosie, deal with it. I'm like, whoa, you really endangered your dog's welfare there, but Dogs fine. are not dispensable. Like, leave, let, what? Yeah. They don't, they don't just, like, they aren't, they shouldn't die for you just because they're dogs. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, Jesus, Poor if thing. you wouldn't do it, don't make your dog do it. Right, you get, crawl your ass in the vent. God. I wouldn't. I would be like, Rosie, you and I are going to. Yeah, me and Bartleby would be on the couch. Caesar (laughs) Caesar and I always talk about like what we would do in a zombie apocalypse because like we have a plan, right? It's just the three of us. He's the muscle. He's the one who like would definitely wield the weapons and I'd be the runner. I'd be like, he distracts the zombies. I run and me and the dog go run and get supplies. But Bartleby is smart, but kind of an idiot sometimes. And he like tries to bite cars when they make too much noise. So like, I think he Mm -hmm, would mm -hmm. immediately die because he tried to bite a zombie and then dog's gone, which makes me sad. But I think... Uh, uh, neither one of us, Adam or me, is a particularly fast runner, so <laughs> it would have to be, like, an outwitting of whatever we're facing, which mm. I just, like, I don't know, man. And then, yeah, I think we'd probably die and the cats would eat us. I don't think they'd remember who we were. <laughs> Charles Your and Scotty. You. Yeah. But Bartleby would absolutely, like, throw himself in front of a zombie to save us, I think. That's so nice. It is nice, but it makes me sad because I wouldn't want that. But How old is Bartleby? He's 10. He's almost that 11. That is definitely, like, retirement age for a zombie hunting dog. Yeah, he's getting... We got to get him stairs to get on the bed because he, like... Aww. He's getting his... He has bad hips and, uh, like, his the discs in his back and like last I don't remember like last spring he we had to carry him outside because the vet told us that he shouldn't move very much and he wasn't allowed on the furniture and then he like rested for a while he lost a little bit of weight that he's gained back but it's like starting to bother him again yeah Yeah, so but anyway he's an old dog he's He's still hyper and wild you heard him barking right yeah and he's, he's a wild by you. Child. <laughs> he is wild 
So, okay, we're back in the living room. The Jack in the Box drops out of the ceiling, followed by the winged doll and the teddy bear. Aunt Dorothy gets going with some gunfire, but there's some rumbling outside of the window that Aunt Dorothy has her back to, and Omi says elves in German. And then we've got a bunch of, like, terrifying, primordial, druid-like characters coming in. One of them takes the little baby, Chrissy, uh, and then... Dorothy and Howard are taken and the elves charge the rest of the family, but a howling calls them away. So they realize they need to make a break for the snowplow and then go after the critters. Krampus, meanwhile, is on the roof. So they suit up to go out, but Omi won't come. She says be good and boards herself in to face Krampus herself and help. So she uh, faces off with him. He licks her or just sticks his tongue out. There was some looking at, at some point. I think he like cre- one of the her creepy with dolls. His finger. Yeah, his claw finger. And then he's like, do you want to see inside my sack? Don't ever say yes if someone tells like, you they want to show you their bag. sack. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bunch of possessed toys. And that's the last we see of Omi for now. Out in the snow, they're moving pretty slowly and holding hands. Tom is shooting at something under the snow and realizes he's not going to get away, so he tells the rest of the family to go on while he staves the monsters off, and then he gets swallowed by the snow. Uh, And then the others make it to the truck, but then Linda and Sarah also get swallowed by the snow, but they manage to get Stevie and Max into the truck. Then the elves surround the truck and Stevie is taken, but Max manages to escape them. He gets out of the the truck to find Stevie, but Krampus appears in front of him and drops an object, which is Max's crumpled note around a little bell, just like the one he left Omi. Max realizes he's like the harbinger and the one that is left, you know, to remember. Our final And then Max is like, I'm not going to take this. So he trudges through the snow uh, and then hears Stevie's cries and comes upon what looks like an ancient ritual with all the elves and Krampus. It's like a party. They're having fun. It's a little party. They're having fun. He calls to Krampus and says that he takes back his wish and he tosses his little crampy ornament into the snow and the earth splits, revealing a hellhole. Max approaches to try to save Stevie and faces off with Crampy. Oh, this is the point where I started calling him Crampy in my Crampy. Let's go with it. It's fun. (laughs) He says, please, I know you can fix this. Give them back and take me instead. Don't be a martyr. Never be a martyr. He's like, it is nice that he doesn't. He's He's a sweet kid, though. Yeah, he's not trying to fight. He's like, I'm sorry. Just give them back. back. Yeah. Yeah. So Crampy wipes Max's tear away with a very non-hygienic looking claw. Oh, yeah. And the creatures start laughing and they toss Stevie into the hellhole. You mean Max. Crampy then picks oh, up Max. Oh, and Stevie first and then Max. Sorry. Wow. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Crampy picks up Max and holds him over the hell mouth. And Max says, I'm sorry. I just wanted Christmas to be like it used to be. But then Crampy drops him in the whole hell hole anyway. So they we cut to Max's bedroom. It was all a dream, and he I wakes forgot. up. Everything's. It was an all. It was all a dream movie. It's not my favorite ending to a movie. No. Like I wanted to see all of the hellhole um, stuff. The hellhole. I want to see everything in the light of day. Yeah. Hey, stop eating that plant. <laughs> cat. Cat problems. <laughs> So everything is normal. It's Christmas Day. The family's gathered normally in the living room. Uh, it was. It seems like Omi knows something. 
when she gives Max his cocoa and says Merry Christmas, she's like, I am wise. Wink, um, yeah. Wink. They're opening gifties. Max hugs his parents, but when he opens his gift, it's the little Krampus bell. Everybody's faces drop because they start to remember, and a wind whistles outside. We pan out, and they're in a scene in Krampus's impressive snow globe connection. Yeah. Sorry, collection, excuse me. And the last shot is a completely unnecessary uh, jump scare of the toys jumping in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And that, my friends, is Krampus. Krampus, the movie. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I forgot it was, an, it was all a dream. I don't love that. It's like, not a great horror movie ending, but I guess yeah. if this is like, is this for kids? Is this for teenagers? It's a is horror it comedy, like, right? It's like sort of a horror and sort of a comedy because there's like gi- those gingerbread cookies are cute. They they're are really cute ah! when they're on fire. It's adorable. I li- I actually thought the teddy bear with the sharpened teeth was kind of cute. Yeah, and the angel with the eyes. Uh, yeah it was, like, it was like from the manson stuck. family yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so what i have a problem with in this movie i liked watching it It was like really fun to watch but so much of the coding is super damaging because oh, yeah. there is just this really really bad unnuanced portrayal of how to deal with complicated family dynamics that is just gross like so they hate each other they disagree they have fundamental disagreements a lot of them are toxic people, and they only find commonality when they experience a trauma, which is, like, a really warped way of approaching, like, bonding with familial relations, familiar yeah. relationships or putting boundaries down. And then when Max is experiencing frustration as a little child <laughs> and he's reacting to a toxic dynamic that his cousins have set up and his parents are ignoring with the other family members – he is then punished by Krampus destroying his entire family. And then at the end, I thought it was extraordinarily troubling that Max has experienced so much trauma at the hands of Krampus. And he's literally being held by his foot over a hellhole. And the last thing we see him do is essentially apologize to apologize. his abuser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, it's like punishing a boy who's like coming into his into puberty for having feelings like that's this and, entire and for movie experiencing them yeah yeah and for being uh open with them talking to his dad talking to omi and like experiencing his frustration in a more public way than boys are conditioned to then they're allowed to and it's also like women and girls aren't allowed to be feminine or slutty they're not allowed to be tomboys yeah yeah, they can't masculine girls are not like they're also a punchline fat women are a punchline it's i mean the best model that this movie gives us of what a woman should be like i guess is sarah uh who is obsessed with capitalism and who's obsessed with class status consumerism capitalism like this i don't but she's also a joke. Like, no one in this yeah, movie Yeah, no is. one isn't a joke. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm like, I mean, obviously this was made by a gaggle of men. If you scan the written by, produced by directors, there's not a woman or a person of color saying like, hey, this is actually kind of problematic. Like, yeah. it's just white men making a joke and a mockery of anybody that isn't a white man. Because it's also like, 
at Tommy, Adam Scott's character is like a successful, rich white guy, but he's not masculine enough. But then he gets the redemption of like being able to shoot a gun and save his family. And they come and back yeah, he to like the... sacrifices himself at the end for his family and reclaims his sort of masculine energy. And like, yeah, he ends up getting to be a hero. And then the mothers are like they don't even get death scenes or like final scenes that are independent of one another like linda and sarah who are sisters and both have identities only as mother yeah in like two sides of the motherhood coin which is class capitalism wealth and then the barefooted pregnant shotgun wedding side of the coin yeah and these are like the two kinds of women you can have and they die at the same time Without any agency or autonomy. And the last thing that Sarah says is, I love you, to her son. Like, it's not, it's very, like, she's not sacrificing, she is sort of sacrificing herself, but she doesn't get any glory from it. And then Dorothy, who is our fat, crass punchline, she shoots and saves several, like, shoots these little animals and saves several family members. And And then then she's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and then they all just stand by and watch her get wrapped up in chains and carried off. Like, bye, Aunt Dorothy. No one gives a fuck about you. It's upsetting. Yeah, this is an abhorrent model on how you should put boundaries down with toxic family (laughs) members also. Uh, You don't have to have 12 people in your fucking house for Christmas that make you miserable. If you need boundaries, you should establish them. I mean, there is some, like... I... I really do love spending time with my family, even though, like, we do have our dysfunctional times. You know, everyone's dysfunctional. I, but I like, you know, it's that's how families are. I don't like people are. in my space. I'm like, yeah, cool, come see me, but get a hotel. I, I don't know. I, my mom let everyone and anyone into our house, so I'm like, now I'm like, come sleep on our couch. I'll sleep on the floor. You can sleep in I my have, bed. Like, everyone, I just... In my relationship, I realized, like, familial boundaries are really, really different for Adam and me based on how we were raised. Like, mm-hmm. I have never let my dad see me in the morning before I put a bra on or in pajamas. Like, there are so many, like, super specific things because my mom was raised by an abuser. So she mm. overcorrected and our, you know, they were fine boundaries to experience. But it's, like, such a culture shock for me when I, like, see Adam's family or just, like, families that were raised, like, in a more regular way because, like, we – locked doors we stayed away from each other like it was like Mm. such a specific experience it was yeah like we are all very oh my god it's like a codependent rat king like we're all just like very my dad I've seen him without a shirt on more times than I have with a shirt if he's wearing a shirt I'm like are you going to work like he's never Ah, sorry uh did you hear that I did hear that it's okay it was only for a second um, uh, that's weird. I am <laughs> made super uncomfortable by my dad's like body and, and ex- any experience of him as a person with like sexuality or agency. I'm like, ew, ew, ew. But we have a pretty unhealthy relationship. So I don't know. <laughs> right. I, I, all I know is if a family member makes you feel miserable, less than, frustrated, angry and they you're putting more into a relationship than you're getting out of it it's okay to establish healthy boundaries right 
That but this is movie true. is like, no, you must accept everyone into your space and into your bosom and treat them equally, even if they're undeserving of compassion and they're not, you know, treating you the same way. But I think and that I think, this movie is also just like people that are different from you. You have you can never relate you can because you're of a different class. It's also though the this only movie, way you can find a way to relate is if an ancient god terrorizes you on Christmas, and then right. we'll be very happy together. Yeah. <laughs> It's this movie also doesn't understand because it's made by rich people and movie producers does not understand poor people. Is that like the like Linda's family is poor, but they have a huge Hummer and they can travel for the holidays tons of guns. and yeah. tons of guns like they are clearly not poor. And Aunt Dorothy lives in a trailer, maybe. Uh, so she's poor. Guess like, it's what? Not... If you're one person, a trailer is a fucking fine place to live. It's a trailer park space. is a fine place to live, no matter how many. Be- you know, like it's we don't all have to live in fucking McMansions. To like, that's not a sustainable way to live. But and it's also the coding of like urban rural like I live in a shitty apartment (laughs) in a city and that's not really that different from living in a trailer in a trailer park like I just feel there are so many lines and specifications of the classism that we're seeing in this movie like Aunt Dorothy drinks she's fat she wears too much lipstick like Mm -hmm. she likes macaroni and cheese so all of these things yeah it's everything makes her a trashy poor person and they have too many kids. Like yeah. they're rednecks. They're they, can't, they, they don't even remember they left the baby in the truck. Like it's right. They there's a reference to like oh you know our 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 family members are Democrats. So there's all of these like markers that are supposed to make us dislike them, but they just make me dislike the people that made the movie because there's right. no compassion or understanding for poor people. Like. Poor people are everywhere. They look like everyone. They do all of the same things that rich people do, except for needlessly spending money and marginalizing people further. God. I, yeah, I just don't understand. It's like now that we're so much more tuned in to how these trends run across movies and how classism, fat phobia, xenophobia, like all these things present too. It's almost impossible to watch a fucking movie anymore. It really is impossible to watch a movie. I It doesn't stop me. And when we do American Psycho, it's only going to get so much worse. I am so And I love ready. that movie. Um, but Oh, we also have to give a solemnly sworn apology to our patron, Benjamin. We're really sorry we didn't get our shit together to give you Silence of the Lambs for our bonus this month, but we have had a lot of life admin going on, so There's, it's coming in January. Everyone has COVID, and I, <laughs> I'm i being worked like a dog. I So I'm sleepy, and I'm I'm just sorry. trying to get my boobs cut off. And, and Abby's trying to have <laughs> surgery. <laughs> but January is a brand new, it's yeah, a brand we'll new year. different women then. <laughs> We're all going to breathe out and in. It's cool. Um, it's totally cool. Yeah, and there's no respect for working class people. There's just, like, everything wrong with this movie. Yeah. it's And, I yeah, there's like, no black people, no brown people. The immigrant and the foreigner that we see is a white person. Snow and like, white. Lily snow white. Snow white with white hair. <laughs> and, like, even she is othered, but not as much as what we would see if it was a, a black person of color. Or black or person of color that was a foreigner is like they of would course, be a yeah. completely different kind of punchline and joke. It's I don't I'm upset. It's also like quite a choice to pick a German character 
who was alive in World War II. Who it's like Christian. interesting to frame a German immigrant as the other and frame like white Americans as the oppressor. It's it was like what? Like, okay. I don't know if this is doing anything for anybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm confused. Yeah. Um, it was a choice that it was a choice. Yeah. I it was know. like, I think, um, I actually think it was interesting for them to address xenophobia in such an intimate way, like in the home with other right. members of your family, but it doesn't do anything if you're like my xenophobia and therefore my acceptance of someone I didn't accept before only extends to white immigrants from European countries. Like, Mm -hmm. you didn't break any ground here. It's also like when Omi speaks English for just for our sake, for the sake of the audience, it's like Aunt Dorothy is like, I knew it. She speaks English. It's like, maybe she's not comfortable speaking English. Like, maybe she she doesn't want to talk to to you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although Omi gets so few lines, it's infuriating. Like, she never gets to talk. It's upsetting. She just makes eyes at people. Honestly, Tony Collette is underutilized. Yes. Um, I, she doesn't get to I forget the woman. I forget the woman who plays Aunt Linda, Linda. but she's a great comedian. She's like yeah. a funny character actress. She and has she like three great lines, job. and it's all yeah. like my kids. Um, but yeah, basically Howard and um, Tom, and to some extent Max, are what the plot is like spinning Centered upon, like the crux of the plot. But there's like I would like to hear more about Aunt Dorothy's backstory. Like there's more complexity and the only nuance offered to like the relationships that these people are experiencing with each other is that they went through something really traumatic together and now have like found a way to look past their differences instead of any sort of like complex look at family dynamics and how they can affect people personally how like this trauma is going to affect going to affect Max through his growing up years because He's the one that is, like, bearing the burden of this generational trauma that he's mm-hmm. experienced. And I think he and Omi both have kind of, like, a second sight thing going on. Yeah. I'm not exactly the shining-ish. sure. shining-ish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But upsetting. I was thinking about another recent Christmas movie that I watched that I watch with my mom and my sister every year, The Family Stone. Have you ever watched I it? I love that movie. I fucking it's love like, that movie. It's kind it's of also painful to watch. Because of, right. I mean, it's a lot of white people romping around. I do love, it's just like a complex family dynamic that mm-hmm. is like very relatable. And at it's least. Uh, Regina George. What's her name? Rachel McAdams. Yeah, she's great in that movie. She I is love really her good. character. That's, I, she's me. I relate. <laughs> she really is you. Uh, but, and that, like, they, even though they kill the mom, like, they do in every movie, like, she's, Diane Keaton is allowed to, like, be a character and be complex and not, it like, is entirely how, one note. Yeah. It's in yeah, like, Toni Collette is one note AF in this movie. Yeah. Like, she's, she's motivated either by consumerism or and, motherhood capitalism or by motherhood Mm -hmm. she's barely like you see this moment of her being like motivated to take agency in her relationship and her marriage like i miss us but there is nothing behind even that that. is like her relationship to her husband and nothing independent of that nothing like no family bond i didn't even learn her name until like 30 minutes into the movie yeah until someone shouted sarah and i was like oh that's it same with linda yeah i know (laughs) Uh, but there are a lot of names to to, to remember. keep track of, but mm-hmm. I didn't 
I definitely learned the female characters' names last outside of Aunt Dorothy, who we only learn her name because she's insufferable. Yeah. But yes, Hollywood, please stop um, benefiting and like jacking off to the trauma of women and mothers. It's really weird why that you do that. Stop doing that. I don't. Should we make this a shorty? We've been running really long on other We ones. have been running long. I mean, we're at about an hour, so um, is there anything else that we have to... So, fallacies. I mean, just... There's so many... Not fallacies. Phalluses. Phallic oh, symbols. Oh, phalli- phallic. Phalli. Yeah, dicks, dicks abound. I tongue loved dicks. the, like... The tongue dicks were gross. But I did kind of love the, like, ancient primordial creatures do you yeah like i did too <laughs> i thought it was like, like it was a fun monster they what krampus was a fun monster and they were scary they were really scary the little elves were yeah they were like with their masks and their like shrouds and they're giggling and like gingerbreads were cute and scary and teddy you know it was fun it was fine it was fun uh, it was well yes, done as- like it was a great it was like a nicely made movie beautifully sure. produced yeah but as always um poverty is poverty is demonized um the working class is expendable it's so glaringly obvious that that movie this movie has been made by the working or, excuse me by the ruling class for the ruling class there isn't really anything for a regular person that experiences poverty and marginalization by uh the wealthy people that made this movie to cling on to like the only place we can identify is with the, um, you know, missing a chromosome, like whatever the fuck inbred family, the way they're right. characterized. Like there is no, <laughs> no equity, nothing relatable. No. And in the characterization and family dynamics and all the phobias, there's just really nothing to enjoy here. But yeah. the monsters were fun. The and I love Tony Collette fun. forever. It's true. chef's kiss. <laughs> I um, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to love movies at all anymore. But I just as we gradually die inside more and more. But I do love them. I love them even though I hate them. Also, there's also that. Uh, I feel like I've told you this that like going. It was like a tweet going around a while ago that was like, movies are rich people making media making art for poor people. Like painting oh, yeah, and, and art and fine art is poor people making art for rich people, and then memes are poor people poor making people art for poor, poor people. people. So like memes, we stand a meme. It's cool. I we do stand a meme, and we're not good at making them. We tried. We're fucking we, terrible. <laughs> maybe we should brainstorm more. We should. We'll hire well, if somebody wants to. When we are grown ups, when hey, if somebody is wants to make a, memes. Anyone here Gen Z? Anyone know how to do memes and TikTok? I do. Do you want to be our intern? Sorry, you'll be unpaid. <laughs> I did make I one TikTok. You, it was a cute TikTok. We'll make more. Benjamin liked it. Thanks, Benjamin. We love you. <laughs> All right. Okay. Follow us on Instagram at spooky succubus underscore cast. Everything that you need is in our link tree there. Please sign up for our Patreon. Rebecca is going to get covid like now she <gasps> probably has COVID because <laughs> she's working in a thankless restaurant industry run oh, by the yeah. ruling class. Um, a cab, eat the rich, have a happy Christmas. We'll see you for Black Christmas from 1974 next week. Oh yeah, happy holidays and shit. Don't hang out with family oh, yeah. if you don't want to. Yeah, be safe. Um, sorry that we said Merry Christmas. 
Happy Hanukkah as well. I think this will come out on the last day of Hanukkah. And whatever you're celebrating, if you're not celebrating, just enjoy your just day. Like, hail Satan, if you want. Hail you Satan. Know? I We're mean, we can't do last that. Podcast I, we can't. Sign um, <laughs> I don't know. Fuck everything. Whatever, if you guys so. have an idea for a sign off for us, let us know because we always ramble on awkwardly like we're doing now. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.